This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Again, and welcome back to Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am joined, as always, by Jeff Hawkins. And Jeff, let me ask you a question. Is there any bigger case of reflective glory than the moon, who has, of course, been living on the coattails of the sun for thousands of years? <laughs> Whoa. Where... Where did this come from? Uh, this comes uh, from would... the core. I, I reflect before the show. I, I, As you know, I like to take about 10 minutes and go into my room, my reflecting chamber. Some would call it a walk-in closet. And, and I like to think about the state of the cosmos broadly, the earth a little more narrowly. And, and of course, right, I like to... No, I'll go into this. I'll, I'll tell you, yeah. uh, depending on your sense of humor, Uranus or Uranus... What has it brought to the table other than butt jokes? I mean, Saturn has rings. Jupiter has the big old red dot. Pluto no longer exists. Once no, Pluto brings asteroids... controversy. No, no, no. Pluto does exist, and it brings controversy. Oh, and, there, and then there's that other planet that we haven't really named. Uh, yeah, Nibiru? Or, uh, or are you talking Nibiru, about... Nibiru, is that where... Is that, isn't that the planet where Avatar took place? <laughs> I think that's the one that, like, <laughs> comes into... The so supposedly comes into the solar system every hundred years or so. Oh, I don't okay. know. Uh, good, is, I never that, saw Avatar either. So go I, I haven't seen Avatar. <laughs> no, I, it's one of those long movies. I'm not good at like two and a half hour movies, really. I, I hi, think Jeff. I've seen it already. It's oh, hi. <laughs> you, you had a. I asked if you had a light item, and you said something it, about a cat. Well, yeah, and I also gave you this whole moon and sun thing, so that's one light item, and I've got another light <laughs> item, too, So of a different nature here. So during the great Texas blizzard of 2021, I, on the third night of the blizzard, or the third evening of the blizzard, um, went out and I found this cat. To wind back just a second, on the first day of the blizzard, I got worried because we have, like, a lot of stray cats in this neighborhood. And I was kind of worried about some of the stray cats just because, like, they're not meant for winter conditions um, at 20 degrees. Like, Texans aren't well-versed in that. And animals out here, similarly so, especially in flash circumstances. And at the end of day one, I saw these uh, these orange cats in there that are short-haired orange cats. And they were trying to desperately get sun during the day, which kind of a vain exercise, but they were doing the best they could. I brought them out some food. One of them is this orange cat that I was familiar with. On to fast forward here, on day three, I go outside to kind of like check around on them because I didn't see them at all on day two, even though I was kind of like poking my head out the window. I go out on day three and I see one of them. And at this point, he is, it's like 20 degrees out and he's trying to eat at the leaves um outside in the parking lot he looked in rough shape and he started to have like frostbite on his nose 
Um, he had some frostbite starting to go on his toes when I brought him in. Um, and I brought out some food and with very little fuss, he basically like at, I fed him and then I came in to pick him up and he just kind of like started purring as I picked him up and I uh, brought him into the Casa del Nove and, uh, got him set up in my reflecting room. So for five days I had to go without reflection, which was tough. As you know, I'm a, I'm a pensive man. I'm a, I'm a thoughtful man. Uh, and it was tough to go without, but sometimes sacrifices need to be made. And, uh, for five days I was kind of like taking care of this cat, but then the issue was like, all right, dude, I'm not trying to get a fifth cat. No matter what Cody says, um, I was not trying to get a fifth cat. So I had to try to find someone who would take this cat or an animal service that would take this cat. And in the age of COVID, um, that's actually a trickier task then I realized, um, it was hard. Like Dallas has an animal shelter. There's been write-ups on the Dallas animal shelter. I now know way, way, way more about how the no kill facilities at the Dallas animal shelter work. Um, but they have a big line that was kind of backing them up. So I was going to have to have this cat until like March 7th. That was going to be a long time. I didn't want to do that. Um, so I kept kind of calling around and eventually I found uh, a service that, that would take him, but that took me a while, man. Um, on Tuesday, I finally got this cat on his way. I named him Blizzard because uh, I figured that uh, as good as he makes his way through the adoption system, uh, you need something that can tell a story and relay as much information as possible. And I figured the name could do a ton of work for him. Um, and he's a cool looking cat. So I think he'll be just fine. Um, but if you see a Blizzard, an orange cat named Blizzard pop up in the Dallas uh, Cat Lady website, or uh, in the Dallas Animal Services, uh, grab that cat because he's a good cat. Chris, no man on earth has ever uttered the words, I don't need a fifth cat because they don't have more than one, I don't think. Uh, I would like to tell you a little story about a guy named King Kong friggin' Bundy. Thank you very much, King Kong Bundy, our hero, our lord. Is he a cat guy? He was a cat guy. He had like seven. And uh, when he passed, like they, they put him up for adoption and people like all over the country took him Bundy's cats. Was he married? I don't think so. <laughs> That's probably why. Oh, okay. No, I just, I, I had to do everything to keep from laughing at. I don't need a fifth cat, Jeff. I was like, no man has ever uttered those words. I don't think. No, because some people realize that you can you can really go as high as as you want if you have enough <laughs> land, and others others are weak. Oh, yeah, I wanted to start light because uh, in the wrestling news we're gonna go a little dark early here. Uh, rest in peace to Josephus, uh, the former Joseph Watson, I believe, real name, aka the Question Mark. If you watched NWA Power. Passed away unexpectedly. It's believed to be a brain aneurysm. I don't believe there's been an official cause of death just yet. Uh, Nashville area independent wrestler. Had some stints with the NWA here and there. Billy Corgan really liked him. Did a kind of a intelligent Bruiser Brody gimmick at first as Josephus. And then morphed into this more comedic uh, question mark from Mongrovia. Flags at half mass in Mongrovia. Uh, I, I remember when we were watching power from, from episode oh, he one, he really found something like, I, I mean, I, I still think back to my comment to you of like, Oh no, this question mark thing's going to get over. I know everyone it, thinks it's it stupid. Did. 
Yeah. And it did, and because we didn't like Josephus on this screen. We thought he was, I forget what our comments were about the character, but there was something a little too try hard about it, I think. But you watch his promos, like from the first, uh, from his first feud with Tim Storm before even power started. I mean, he had the gift of gab. And you knew he had a little bit of uh, actor in him. And and so, yeah, it didn't surprise me that this question mark didn't get, I mean, that this question mark got over. It didn't shock me. I swear to you, in my head, if NWA had folded, I do think that at some point, question mark gets at least a one shot on AEW as a special partner of either the Dark Order or of Orange Cassidy just for that one night to have that raucous crowd pop for him. I think he would have gotten that. And that's Oh man, to if me he had been paired shame. with if he had been paired with Orange Cassidy, this is a guy who could have been instant over. Because I think the the rub look, I have my knocks on Orange Cassidy and the the rub he supposedly got off of Jericho and all of that. But I think for a comedy character like the question mark I think if Orange Cassidy thought that the question mark was cool, like the question mark would have been over like Rover in the AEW crowd too. It's a great, silly gimmick. Um, and he was good at it. And it was a fun kind of throwbacky thing that people who, you know, appreciated that era enjoy. And people who like liked that era also thought that a lot of like those masked wrestler guys were like goofy. Like, you know, it's not like it's not like older fans weren't in on the joke with the question mark thing. It, it so the irony very, worked. It, yeah. It was a very meta joke between yeah. the audience and wrestling in the in the territory system, someone would lose a loser leaves town match. And all of a sudden, this masked guy who looks kind of like the same guy and talks like the same guy and wrestles a little bit like the same Has guy the would same come back. Has the same signature spots. Yeah. And, and then they get unmasked. It wouldn't be the person usually. But in this case, he comes back and he's doing the foreigner gimmick from there. He's wrestling a completely different style, being a karate master. I think the stuff with Aaron Stevens was phenomenal at times. That That's another thing that I kind of am very sad about is that that partnership will never be uh, able to be re remade again because I think he found someone that made him more of a baby face that way. Because remember, when Question Mark debuted, he was going to be a heel and he started giving over as a baby face, getting cheers and stuff whenever he'd do something. So this thing had legs and that's... That to me, I mean, it, career-wise, that's a tragedy, far more of a personal tragedy, that this guy was too young to go at this time and during this whole COVID mess as well. It, it's just, I, I, we're all tired of being surrounded kind of by death, and especially after Brody Lee died so suddenly right around Christmas to have another one come up this quick it's just it feels like we're being battered one after another even if we aren't yeah i i mean i like and, and these are kind of shocking ones um you, you almost are sort of girded now for the covid related death but uh in the case of Brody lee and also now josephus like these are not uh these aren't even that these are just kind of like sudden and these shocking are flukes 
They're yeah, just flukes. flukes is what they are. It's not like yeah. like when I was growing up, not growing up, but I was in my 20s in the Attitude Era, and you'd have all the guys who were doing steroids and cocaine and uppers and downers and what have every notion of drug were dying early, like, you know, Rick Rude, Kurt Hennig, uh, Pillman, those types. It, it, this is just fluke illnesses that are discovered too late or something happens all of a sudden and they pass away. This is far more tragic than those other deaths. Not that those aren't tragedies, but it's, it's through no fault of their own, quite frankly. And I, th- I think these are the ones that rattle our cages the most yeah. specifically because it's like you can be living just fine in a completely normal life. And, uh, this can still happen to you. Unfortunately, the death overshadowed what was probably the bigger news this week in that AEW has signed the big show away, Paul White, away from WWE. Uh, He will be coming in to do color commentary for their new Monday YouTube show called AEW Dark Elevated. He will be teamed with Tony Schiavone. I, (laughs) I like big show. I think he's been horribly misused, especially in WWE when he went there for decades. I don't know what he brings as a color commentator in a company that has plenty of color commentators or has used other color commentators quite well. I mean, he's going to be on a show. This AEW Dark Elevated is going to be kind of the bigger stars that are on Dark or relegated to Dark because there's no room on Dynamite doing squash matches and the like, but Excalibur's the guy who knows these guys. He knows all their moves. Veda Scott was quite good, I thought, doing color commentary when she was brought in. You have Taz in there. You have other people on the roster that can do color commentary. I just, I don't know. We'll know when we know, I guess, is the way I'd put it, but to me, I, if they're setting this up just for him to come back to the ring okay, but this would be like a special event here and there, and I don't want that necessarily. I have a color commentary. Okay, here comes the angle where he does his one match, and then he goes back to the booth and does it until the next time we're going to use him like that. I would much rather he'd be on the shelf, and then you bring him in for one big match, and then he goes away, kind of like Andre the Giant type thing. Yeah, so I think that the problem with Paul White on commentary is that while it is sometimes nice to have someone with a deeper voice on the microphone, there there is a point where your voice can be too deep and it's bad for audibility and it doesn't necessarily translate well on play-by-play commentary or color commentary. I think Paul White would probably be better utilized as a general manager character. And it does seem to me like the whole idea is, you know, he comes on the shelf every so often, gets off the shelf, has a match, goes back up on the shelf. It seems to me like that probably works better as a general manager character. And it also gives him more of an opportunity to do things like tease an interaction with Shaquille O'Neal, which like we know would be boring and no one really wants to see. But we also oh like... Oh my God, they're going to call that back, aren't they? Why I hadn't even thought about that, but why not? The the Dallas WrestleMania during that battle royale or during that—that's right. Where 
when Big Show and Shaq had the stare down. And oh, they're going to have a match at next year's WrestleMania. Oh my God, I had forgotten all about that. And they're going to do that, aren't they? They they have to, don't they? Oh, they really no. do. Um, uh. So I, I doesn't make a ton of sense to me to have him on a, a commentary position. And I think that AEW at this point really should go ahead and shoot their shot and go up against Raw because we know what Raw is at this point. They know what type of product Vince is going to put up from week to week. If you're worried, oh, he's going to raise and re-raise, I got news for you, pal. He's still doing this retribution crap. No, knock on, of course, our Lord and Liege Slapjack, of course. But he is not going to shift gears in some sort of meaningful way. Sheamus is still on WWE television. So is Rey Mysterio and Jeff Hardy. He's out of plays. So why not shoot your shot? Like, why not go for it? Why run against NXT at this point? I, <laughs> there was something there that threw me off and I can't remember what you just said, but it was just, oh, I wanted to bring it up. And then you, you ever have a thought and you just forget it all of a sudden? That's what just On a regular basis, I call it shake oh, them ropes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, a Marco stunt program, I could probably see. At some point, that'd be interesting, but, uh, I don't, yeah. I mean, how is Marco ever going to be able to wrestle again after Tully Blanchard paralyzes him? Oh, you know what? We're jumping the gun here, but I'm going to, no, no, I'll save that for AEW. I want to save that for when we go over AEW I want stuff. the pile driver to give Marco stunt cancer like Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's far more dark than I was going to go, but all right. And that's I'll been Shake that. Them Ropes for this week. Here, we'll see you next <laughs> week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, dear Lord. Thank God they're going to be on you this week. Uh, Anna J out 8 to 12 months, injured in training. Darn shame, because this is really the time in training of any skill of any kind. When you're first starting out, you're doing okay. You're learning things. You think you're doing great. And then you get into, like, year two. And then, then the theory starts to hit and you kind of have to go through some rough spots and you have to, you know, figure things out a little bit more. And you wonder why it was so easy when you started. And this is kind of the point where Anna Jay is in her career right now. And she's going to be on the shelf for a while. And that's, that's what I think is the worst part about that. You know, she's young enough where she's going to have time to recover. But in terms of training, she's really hitting that point where, all right, you're a bit, more veteran, but you're not quite yet veteran status. You're just past rookie. You're just Hasn't really had the it. big match yet. Yeah, you're moving up the card, but you're not quite ready to be in a high-profile program. Yeah, that's that's the real shame for me about this. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think Jay, of course, can do any one of the 8 million YouTube ancillary products that AEW has and being in dark order can still do some things. I think frankly, if I were her, I would be pitching like maybe a lot more of the narrative for dark order should run through me or something like that. You know, like some way to stay relevant here. Uh, it seems like dark order is the best way for her to do that. 
Uh, but then, of course, you know, with regards to training and stuff, yeah, I, I think now is now is a time where you kind of review some of the stuff you did, but maybe do that closer to when you're getting ready to get back from how long this injury is going to be. Because as you said, it's like eight to twelve months, so I, I wouldn't worry about that for the first, you know, five or six. First five or six, I'd just be worried about, you know, uh, trying to find a way to stay on camera and stay in the conversation as a character. Interesting that the PC moving over to some NXT WWE news has basically this term is going to have one of the largest classes that they've had in the performance center, including coming in uh, the son of Rick Steiner, Bronson Rick Steiner, Taya Valkyrie, Sean Ricker, AKA Eli Drake, now known as LA Knight. Yup. Uh, baby Brock, AKA Parker Boudreaux, former football player with, I believe the university of central Florida, who's all over social media right now. Evolve talents, Anthony Henry, Harlem Bravado, uh, Avery Taylor, uh, Teresa Serrano, AKA Zoe Stark, who had a match with Io Shirai this week. Uh, former independent wrestlers, Christian Casanova, Priscilla Kelly, uh, Cora Jade and former NXT enhancement talent, Chris Rivera. They are really buying up anybody that's on the market right now, Chris. Yeah. And I think this is going to be the move for WWE. They're just scooping up people. And I think AEW needs to be more aggressive with acquisitions uh, on that, on that same note. Uh, if they see someone that they like, they need to get on it. Cause I mean, for example, Zoe Stark, uh, you know, I, I liked what I saw in this match she had against Io Shirai this week, and I think that this is someone who on AEW's product could be getting pushed at a high level, right? Like, you could see Zoe Stark having a really good feud against Britt Baker. You could see Zoe Stark having a really good feud against Denyla Rose. Or... I'm going to cut you off real quick, though. Okay. She's a student of HBK, so there's no way she's going there. Yeah, but I, I think the point still stands and like these yeah. are the type of people that like the AEW does need to be aggressive in trying to acquire because WWE well, is going to be throwing their money around. They don't need more male talent, quite frankly. But for the women's division, they've had people come in and out and, and work there. Christy Janes, Nicole Savoy, Heather Monroe, all I guess I thought solid. Stark had been over there. I guess I thought Zoe Stark was one of those people who had been over. She might have. She might have well. had a match on there. I can't remember that. I'll look that up. Um, yeah, I, I that that's what I was thinking about. Is that AEW has had a number of solid journey women, um, shall we say, come through their doors, and it's been a head scratcher why they've let them walk when their division. I mean, really does need more. It, 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 it does. I, I know they're doing this big tournament. I know they're trying to build new stars. I know, I know, I know. Um, I also just saw, like, now that Rose and Britt Baker have a match this week. So No, under under the name Lacey Ryan, she was in Impact. She was in Impact. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Taya Valkyrie will be interesting to see what they do with her. Um, or if she's just a name that they put out there. Sean Ricker. I think I that mean, she he, got the gig because of uh, Johnny yeah. Nitro. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if they're gonna move her up to the main roster to be with him. That's what I'm saying. No, I don't. I don't um, know about that, but I mean, you know, I don't know that they're gonna. I, I. To your point, I don't know that they have big plans for her either, based on that. Right. La Knight can talk. We've already seen that. 
And he's all they they want him in the conversation. I think they're going to give him a Bobby Roode in NXT style push. Um, he he, you may be surprised, and he they they may love his characterization so much uh, that they want to push him hard. Uh, I, I could see him at least being a North American champion. There's a chance he might be EC3 too. He might he might be someone that you know NXT crowds like and he's really good in nxt and then vince remembers oh you were in our system before <laughs> here go look in the mirror and do a bad feud with john with dean ambrose or something like that man I mean, EC3. they did him dirty yeah they did yeah they did uh here's an interesting quote christina salen cfo of wwe in a Wall Street Journal interview, noted that SmackDown ratings increased 8% moving to the Thunderdome and Raw stabilized and stopped dropping. Uh, <laughs> Christina, I got news for you. That's all Roman Reigns, Bailey, Sasha, and Asuka. All of that has nothing to do with moving to the Thunderdome and having more monitors of people watching no, these no, shows. No, 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 no. Counterpoint, counterpoint. People love Zoom meetings. And people love what? No, they don't. They I hate Zoom meetings. Every day I have a damn Zoom meeting. I hate them. People love the Brady Bunch. People love Hollywood Squares. People love all these things. People love talking about the technical problems you're having on your Zoom call. People Woo-wee. love the game. People love the game. Guess who? And when they watch the Thunderdome, it's like playing Guess Who while watching wrestling. On how WWE Network struggled to grow before the sale to Peacock. Quote, I would argue against the idea that the WWE Network struggled to grow. From our perspective, we didn't actively and aggressively go after subscribers in the way that a large mass audience stream platform would. She also said the strategy to reach new viewers is through YouTube and TikTok, as well as video games and toys, also growth in India and Latin America. Now, let me tell you something, WWE Network. Let me tell you something, Peacock. Y'all been ducking me. You got my resume. You know where I'm found. I've come looking for you. I go somewhere, you ain't there. I go somewhere else, you ain't there neither. So we're going to have to settle this WWE Network. We're going to have to settle this Peacock. There's only one way to keep you from ducking me. It's going to be a cage match. Jeff Hawkins versus the Peacock Network. Because I'll tell you something, Chris Novembrino. I'll tell you something, Daddy. I'll tell you something, Brother. Much like the Poet Laureate Richard Marks said, wherever you go, whatever you do, I'll be there, Peacock, right there, waiting for you. Be there Thursday night. NBC <laughs> means nobody beats Chef Hawkins. <laughs> I I cannot believe they're using the yeah, but we didn't really go aggressively like other large. Look, this network was ahead of its time compared to other streaming services. I was even just the 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 rollout itself at the time they rolled it out sort of implies aggression in a way that we applauded back then. Yes, and what they did was they just threw up a bunch of content that wasn't really curated all that well, and said, "Eh, "Go find stuff." They had a half 
half-assed broadcasting schedule that they never oh, the, really— the broadcast schedule was a joke. They, they, would, yes. they would have 52-minute programs and then be patching together the final seven minutes of an hour with recurring bitlets. And that's just not a serious way to run a network. They didn't have someone seriously running the end-to-end network component of it. So WWE Network was not a place you wanted to hang out. It was not an actual network that you wanted to watch on a regular basis. It wasn't. It was not a web stream that you wanted to watch regularly because it just you know it would repeat itself. You would see the same stuff over and over again. If they rolled out a new dinner for three that week, you could be sure that if you actually tried to watch the network end-to-end, you were going to see it like 20 times by the end of the week. Like, this was in one way a very serious rollout, but in another way, they just completely didn't have any eye for detail. You know who's going to make this network watchable? Jeff Hawkins, when he's made him. <laughs> Do it! Hire me, you cowards! I just... The other thing is, they just, they lease out some of their intellectual property to other streaming platforms. Like all of their reality stuff is on, I believe it's on Hulu where Ms. and Mrs. and the Bella show and total divas now are they've, they've, they've leased that out to other streaming. How can you have the stuff that will bring in other viewers? Like I, I bet you their movies are like on Amazon prime or something. The ones that they've actually produced. And even the yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you can theirs. get the Miz one in a number of different outlets because they'll put the Marine anywhere they can get it out. Yeah, or the one they did with uh, Colin Farrell was in one that was actually pretty good because there's nothing WWE about it other than I think Wade Barrett had a small role. You know, those types of things. Oh, be the on your Kane network. movie too. The uh, the first uh, Kane horror movie. That one's yeah, the Kane good. horror movie. Oh, and and the Halle Berry movie, The Call. Like, yeah, yeah, put that on the network. Yeah. Put the XFL on the network, for God's sakes, you know? Find some properties to put on there and, you know, rebrand it in your image. I, you can't say, oh, all these other places had other stuff they could stream. All we could stream was wrestling. Dude, entertainment is all about niche right now. And if you have a hardcore fan base that wants to partake, you have the entire, almost the entire history of professional wrestling at your fingertips. Uh, that to me is a crazy thing. you can't make a thing. network about it? Make a, uh, you know, D- Discord didn't, uh, wasn't around back then. But man, if you could just have like, just make it a, like essentially like a clubhouse. You know, like now they have an app literally called Clubhouse. But like make it a place where fans of wrestling can go and hang out and watch wrestling and chat about wrestling and you, you it, like it is the place you're at the WWE network, but it's like it's even better than watching TV should have been like the, the pitch, essentially. Like it's like you're part of the conversation now and you can watch wrestling with people who like wrestling just as much as you do. Yes. And, and here's the thing. One of the reasons I think wrestling is dying in some ways. And I wouldn't say, you know, look, somebody's like, it's not dying. It has a million and a half fans every week. Blah, OK, fine. Great. But part of the whole thing about watching wrestling used to be getting together, plopping down 10 bucks for bad pizza and the pay-per-view and watching it with friends on a Sunday. And, you know, the kids would come over and cheer for the good guys and boo the bad guys and you troll the kids and all these other things. Yes, make it a party room because more than any other kind of geek or nerd entertainment, wrestling needs its community. You want to know why? Because no other community likes the wrestling community. 
It is the marching band of pop culture. Nobody wants to talk to these wrestling nerds who believe this fake entertainment fighting stuff. And if you can find community with through the WWE network, even if you don't like WWE, there make rooms for, I mean, and make people able to contact. Look, this is where WWE never got it is, is if you're the, what they needed to be was the cultural hub for all wrestling yes, and, and WWE product. And in this way, if you want to talk about how do you keep your stranglehold on the market as like the market, like leader, if you're the leader for where wrestling is talked about and you also are the people who put out WrestleMania, guess what? Guess what you are now? Exactly. And, you know, cater to us old school fans or people who want to learn about old school and let us watch these things and maybe have some invited guests to talk about these things. You know, mute everybody else and they can like do we can do live watch alongs of squash shows and they can explain things about wrestling. And yeah, it, this thing is magic to me, Chris. I want to do something with it. And they won't, they have my resume. I have not gotten a rejection yet, but it's a lot like dating to me. When you get a resume, you either go hell yes, or eh, maybe down the road. <laughs> if, if I'm in a And that's swamp. never, and that maybe down the road <laughs> thing, it, like at least when it comes to dating, it's always kind of a bad idea. Like mm-hmm. you, you, your gut instinct of punting was the right gut instinct. And what you were really telling yourself is, well, I might be single long enough. I might be in a bad enough dry spell where any port in a storm. And that, and it's the same thing with hiring people. I need a little attention. I'll get a free dinner out of this. <laughs> Look, eh, I just two need someone to handle this, this contracting project. That's <laughs> Anyone. What, yes, that is, that is what my resume is like. <laughs> oh, numbers AEW 831,000, NXT 734,000. AEW again crushes them in the demo, so they are in the top five. Uh, and the demo the- god continues to deliver million plus <laughs> ratings week after week. You just to circle back on this network thing, you can make that network all things for all portions of your fan base. And the problem is, they only want they want to be the cool hip kids, but they don't want to make wrestling cool. They only want the youth audience, really. And their demo right now is over 50 because they're so concentrated on new. Here's new. Here's new. Let's keep throwing new at them when all they really do is throw brand, brand, brand. And it's just, ah, it it, it frustrates me to no end. So ice cold takes on the elimination chamber, which happens Sunday. I will give one other tertiary note. You have not watched the Stone Cold Steve Austin session with Sasha Banks. It's fascinating in many ways, but especially the one where it seems she, her guard comes down a little bit when talking about the Ronda Rousey program. And there's a, they go, well, how did you feel about that or whatever? And you can see at the same time, she's obviously feeling like, hey, why is someone coming in to take my spot? when I'm a star and I'm not getting pushed as much as I should be, but she also kind of likes Ronda Rousey and knew that she was respectful of the business and stuff like that. But you can tell it's a bit of a pain point with Sasha Banks amidst all the 
glowing praise of this last year that Sasha Banks has had, that it's one of those things where, yeah, maybe I don't leave for a while and take a break if you don't bring Ronda Rousey in to take a main event spot that should be going to me. That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, look, I, I think at the same time, um, in that division, the smart people walk away for a while, lest you end up in a Dana Brooke, like Naomi, Tamina, Natalia sort of situation where you're just kind of cycled down too far and you're hard to reheat. Um, it's like the idea of reheating Natty at this point seems so far gone. And they do it so much. It's <laughs> her, Naomi, God love Naomi. Every two years or so, they give her a two-week push and they forget about her. Yeah, I, I have no idea why the Riot Squad was reunited for a push and then <laughs> all they're doing is losing to every other team. The The crazy thing to me about the Riot Squad thing is you reunite them for a push and then you have them getting beaten by young up-and-coming Tamina Snuka and Natalia Neidhart. Uh, those two young guns. Okay, lower card stuff. Matt Riddle wins the Intercontinental title, or, or the U.S. title, in the worst way possible. <laughs> I just, he's an at, legit ass kicker, and he's banana peeling his way into title wins. Uh, AJ Styles in that elimination chamber. Let me get this straight. Almost breaks him out to take advantage of getting in the elimination chamber earlier when he's going to be the last guy in? What? And he doesn't even attack Randy Orton on the way out? That's just stupid. Uh, Kevin Owens, obviously, they were using the elimination chamber match to me to cool him down a bit. Looks like he's going to be in a feud with Jay Uso going into... Fastlane slash WrestleMania. He will probably, I'm guessing, multi-person ladder match for WrestleMania, but uh, don't quote me on that. Yeah, I could see him and, like, Daniel Bryan and Jey Uso all being in, like, a multi-man ladder mat match or something like that. Yeah, I did like, I liked the storytelling involving The Miz, MVP, The Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley coming out, killing Drew, after the Elimination Chamber, and then Miz coming in, cashing in. we knew I knew it was going to happen, but I thought they did a pretty good job of that, Chris. I thought using Bobby Lashley was coherent, but also clever. Um, it was just a nice little wrinkle. It was a good way of, okay, Miz called his shot, but by adding this wrinkle in, what he sort of did was like, put up a smoke screen that he was just going to drive right down the center lane. And he kind of swerved a little bit and got, got, you know, his target off balance. And I like that. I, I, you know, I, I thought this was fine. Yeah. That's all I got for elimination chamber. Before we go into the main roster again, I'm going to do AEW. I think, what do you think? You got any other notes for, uh, for elimination chamber? No, I, I it wasn't, it wasn't, poorly worked but like it was a it was a very digestible show but it was like also i i don't know um hard yeah to, it's one of those things where the matches were fine but the storytelling was kind of uh it, it didn't, didn't really say much to be honest with you i mean yeah. other than the miz cash in 
Yeah, like, I mean, the tag match with uh, Nia and Shayna and Sasha and Bianca, like, they could have not had that and the story's the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. But I want to talk about this AEW because, Chris, little Jeff Hawkins, the kid who would risk the, risk the wrath of his parents for watching 605 on the Superstation when you knew at 7 o'clock Dad wanted to watch Star Trek The Next Generation. That one is excited. He is geeked out. He is a kid again. He is a he is a twenty something again. Tully Blanchard is going to be wrestling a match next week, Chris, and a six man with FTR against the Jurassic Express. Now, this promo video was wrong, and I'll tell you why. It has not been thirty years since Tully Blanchard ha- has wrestled. Or at least his last match was not in 1989. No, because young Jeff Hawkins, not knowing anything about travel or that, drove his Hyundai when he was a senior in college up to Philadelphia to the bingo hall of South Philly to watch his idol, Tully Blanchard, wrestle Shane Douglas at at a little card called Double Tables in ECW which was frightening in so many ways in terms of that whole thing. And I shouldn't have been skipping because I think I had a midterm on Monday, but Tully Blanchard has wrestled a couple matches since he matched, you know, up until about 97. You could have just on the, the legends of that. wrestling show. Wasn't he? He was on the heroes of wrestling. Yeah. Heroes of wrestling. Yeah. Heroes of wrestling <laughs> versus Stan Lane. Uh, yeah, he's, he's wrestled shows. He wrestled a few in, uh, in North Carolina, I believe in like late nineties, maybe right after 2000, maybe 2007 or so. He didn't have to lie. It's been long enough where he's had, where he hasn't had a full time match. You don't have to say 1989, but Chris, I, I want him to pile drive Marco stunt so bad. I want this on concrete. I want him to break his neck in storyline. I want I want him to whip him with a belt. I, I I just I want murder death from Tully Bland. I want a slingshot suplex. That would be nice. You know, I I, 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 I want to go one step further. I want this to break Marco's stunt and turn him into a heel who's loyal to Tully Blanchard. Like Tully beats the crap out of Marco. And like and breaks his spirit to the breaks point his spirit where to he the says, point where Marco, yes, daddy, every yes. time Tully comes in. Yeah. He's like scared. Uh, yeah, he's scared of Tully. And then like also slowly becomes evil Marco. I am fine with this. I just, I, I just want the visual of Tully Blanchard hitting a big move on Marco stunt. After that, after that Luchasaurus can come in and choke slam or power bomb Tully or whatever you want to do with him. I also want just, oh, God, if if this happens, you will have to calm me down on Twitter. In every Tully Blanchard match in his prime, he had his own version of the Fargo strut, if you recall. Like, he'd do a move or he'd go for a handshake and fake it and do the really kind of quick Fargo strut around the ring. If he does that, Chris, you will not be able to wipe the grin off my face. I've left you speechless. Uh, other things on this AEW show. John Moxley comes out and cuts a money promo. Just in the camera, talking to the people, 
Wish they hadn't do, done as many camera cuts with it as uh, as they did, but still a no, great No, the promo, opening of this they... show was fun, man. I liked, I love the Hollywood hunk being used the way he's being used. It's good. But the opposite, the flip side to that, was this mustache-twirling, comic book villain, Don Callis, Kenny Omega. <laughs> We're going to set a bomb for John Oh my god! They should have they should have been on the phone with Acme. Like Callus should have been yelling at the Acme Prop Corporation that the rocket skate apparatus that he got was the wrong size and that he needs a large. Uh, it was really over the top. I, I'm very done with Omega and Callus and the Good Brothers. And the Good Brothers. And all, yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it all sucks as far as I'm concerned. They should have been tying women to train tracks while talking about this match. I, I just, I could not believe this is how they're doing the big build for. It makes the exploding barbed wire death match. The more they say it and with this, like it now just feels as Boris and Natasha, Rocky and Bullwinkle, like snidely whiplash style, like villainry. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, and you I know just, what else it does? It makes me think that it's not really that big of a deal. That oh, people can't really be hurt in a barbed wire explosive death because they've, here's they've Kenny made it too campy. It. They've made it like so ironic. And, I, and in this case, I you know I don't think irony was necessarily what Callus and Omega were going for. It's just the tone that ends up getting struck when you have like. Mad scientist, evil Don Callis. Um, yeah, no, I they stink. <laughs> uh I kind of enjoyed Papa Buck and the Jericho MJF angle. Look, the the, the blood. You, okay, the so blood here's what I want to say about Papa Buck. I think it is great that after all these years. Someone is finally purchasing Jerry Lawler's t-shirts and other men's attire. <laughs> well, it, it's weird because my first quote-unquote interaction with, with Papa Buck, I didn't know he was the Young Buck's dad. <laughs> we were go- I was going to PWG shows, and he look, he drives... I believe this is him. I think I'm remembering it correctly. He he drives like you know a Corvette. I mean he he is this gimmick that that you see on TV, and I'm like, <laughs> I think I said, who's the guy with the midlife crisis? They go, oh, that's the young buck's dad. <laughs> oh, that shut me up quick. But it was just one of those things where this is not him playing it up. No, he dresses like this. He is like, uh. Oh, oh no, I I <laughs> Yeah, he's like getting ready to go to the the bowling alley right after he gets done stopping at the malt shop. This although the makeup job only half a step above and I use this arcane reference. Wait, are you telling me that that wasn't his real blood that he was definitely <laughs> bleeding? <laughs> I'm not even sure it was corn syrup level, level stuff. It was half a, half a step above when the horseman attacked Bobby Eaton. And Eaton came out with like a red splotch of lipstick on his cheek to represent where his face had been rubbed on the. <laughs> that said, 
it was obvious he was holding his head at a certain angle so the liquids would stay on his face long enough for him to get rammed into the truck. The open mouth, eyes closed look on when he was on the gurney, props to Papa Buck for, for at least playing dead better than most wrestlers do in real life. I... I adored the old, this thing was so old school, it was musty. From from the from the setup with the, oh, mom and dad, look, here are the trucks with our pictures on it. Do you want to take a picture of us now? I loved him going, I'm so proud loved of it. you, son. Be, be, like, these guys are in their <laughs> 30s. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I'm so, yes. What kind of weird the, the, the ass arrested development and crap is this? <laughs> the 15 year old still trying to get acceptance from dad. Oh, dad, aren't, aren't you proud that we chased our dreams and now here we are successful? Who'd have ever thought it? <laughs> I would have loved it if Papa Buck had been like, So you're telling me you run this wrestling company? <laughs> Wait, hold on. You're a vice. My son's a vice president. Oh my. Like, the, like the, the country has vice presidents. You like one of those? <laughs> You know, I was really opposed to you dropping out of law school to go after your dream. <laughs> oh, but but there's a certain there's a certain warm feeling I get from just going backwards in order to go forwards, and this is you know this is an obvious pro wrestling style angle, so I loved it. I, I you know it's kitschy, and I'll take kitsch occasionally. It's fine. I, you know, I, the inner circle part of this, I, actually, to your point, if this had just been like an angle, I don't know, let's say it was like SCU and they had done this to Papa Buck, I, I would think it would have been fine. Um, if like, you know, Kaz and uh, Daniels were the heels. I just, MJF and Jericho and Jericho kind of oscillating freely between like he was on this slow drift towards babyface status. At least that's what you'd assume the sing along beat every time Jericho comes out that we get during Judas would imply. And he like looks at the crowd wistfully, like, Oh, I love you people. Even though you I'm a bad guy, you know part of me loves the fans and loves hearing the fans adore me. Um and like now we're we're back to, you know, mustache twirling Jericho here with MJF. And so Minus those two, I you know, I guess I was fine with this, but it's also not minus those two. My last note is I don't understand the build to this big match next week. Where is Red Velvet? And why hasn't she been crushing people on AEW television for us to see? While we and have... don't tell me she's been doing it on Dark because I don't care about anything that Dark. hasn't been happening on Dynamite. And this Shaquille exactly. O'Neal program deserves Shaquille O'Neal level treatment. And I'm saying as in this guy is a known athlete. People know who Shaq is more than they know who AEW is. And Red Velvet is one of the principles in this story. And she should be getting built up in a serious way so that we believe that, you know, this this five feet of fury is able to go up against Jade Cardgill, who, oh, by the way, you've been playing up her physicality, how strong she is, um, her excellence in all these different athletic events. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. 
But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network and so the question is if i've just been watching this tv how is red velvet going to possibly contend against that i should be getting my answers on a week-to-week basis on dynamite she should be the big star coming out of this match, in my opinion, because you always want a baby face to come out looking good after this match. I howled at the... Ch- <laughs> Let me get this straight. Number one, Shaq is having Jade Cargill do basketball for for a wrestling match. The, 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 he that, shoots a three. He shoots a three, Jeff. Let's talk about this. But not only that, Shaq infamously known as slouching it on the cardio front is running Jade through cardio drills. Really? <laughs> cardio and shooting threes. Two things yes. that you, you think of when you think of Shaquille O'Neal. When you think of professional wrestling as well, you think of three-point shots. And now remember, when we I get just, in the ring, you're going to want to finesse it from the arc. What does that mean? I, I don't know. It's it, it's inexplicable to me that Red Velvet hasn't been all over this show. Yeah. Unless she's going to come out and, you know, do like five flips off the top rope and just blow us away like a Muda. 
And even <laughs> then, I don't think that it would, uh, like, if it was Muda level, it would have that impact. But even then, I mean, now you're asking so much of it to be delivered in that one moment when really, yeah, Velvet should have been getting built up. And now I'm worried that she's just there to eat the pin. I agree, unfortunately. I think that's why they're keeping her off of TV. Going over to the main roster, I have nothing to say about SmackDown. <laughs> There's just nothing that... Oh, know. no, 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 no. I, I, I have things to say about SmackDown. I have okay, well, then I will let you keep them. Let's, let's get through Raw real quick. I only yeah. have... Let's see, I have one, two, three, four notes on Raw. And I'll read them all now, and we can discuss as you want. Nia Jax, between Sunday and Monday, pinned both the SmackDown Women's Champion and the Raw Women's Champion. This is on purpose, in my opinion. I think she's being kept strong. Charlotte Flair is doing the most obvious turn in the history of obvious turns. (laughs) Did so with all her body language on this past Raw. It was ridiculous. That promo that she cut afterwards on her dad was ridiculous. It, it, everything about this whole thing is ridiculous. Let's get Ric Flair out of there. Give Charlotte some uh, sort no, of that promo was gr- That promo was great. Uh, the, the retcon that Ric was just joking around about maybe siring Lacey's kid because it's like a funsy joke. Like, n- n- there's a thing that people find funny which is that someone else, not them, might be uh, <laughs> siring their kid. <laughs> you know, no, nothing's less Mary creepy than a 70-something-year-old wrestler sleeping with a 30-year-old wrestler. <laughs> nothing's creepy about that. Uh, yeah, it In is the pretty... Me Too era. Good Lord, yeah. <laughs> That that's not that that actually they wouldn't do this, but that would have made the Charlotte Flair promo very funny. Is if she's trying to explain how times and sensibilities have changed and how Rick needs to get with it. Dad, this is what conditioning is. And <laughs> Dad, it's about consent. <laughs> you didn't have this in the seventies. Oh yes, uh, we've gone full Papa Shango on Randy Orton and the Fiend. Yeah. Black goop? Really? Oh, Lord. And finally, uh, I'm going to talk about Bobby Lashley and The Miz. First off, (laughs) The Miz half. The Miz has spent as much time in WWE in one form or another as my initial wrestling fandom, which was from 1984, 85-ish, up until the closure of WCW. That is 15 to 16 years, and he has only had one interesting feud that has made his character interesting. That involved his dad. Other than that, he's just been the Miz slash Honky Tonk Man. The Miz as a champ, in theory, I don't mind it. In practice, the Miz is the perfect guy for everybody to hate because... He because they haven't done anything with him. If if you're a wrestling fan for one reason or another, you hate the Miz for a specific reason. If you are a guy who likes moves matches, Miz isn't particularly coordinated in doing moves and doesn't really have great matches. And isn't interested likes, in that. Yeah, if you're a guy who likes toughness, Miz doesn't really exude toughness in any way, shape, or form. If you're a guy who likes promos. 
he really hasn't done any super promos in there other than the thing on Talking Smack where he got mad at Daniel Bryan and they did nothing with that, really. You know, everything about professional wrestling, he, he's bland, player A, good with corporate relations, but in terms of character development in 15 years, they've done nothing with this guy other than go out there and be the Miz and you're awesome. That said, Bobby Lashley, if you're going to make this Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, the end game of this and have them both chasing Miz or have Bobby beat Miz, I am here, Chris. If Miz blades and bleeds all over the place and Bobby Lashley gives him a thrashing that makes everybody uncomfortable and Raw goes off in silence and you don't know if the Miz is going to make it through the night, if, if WWE gets rid of every single trope they have about being family friendly. I want to go to the JBL crap. zone. I, I think if Miz takes it to JBL levels, yes. But I, what I'm saying is if Lashley does it to the point where Michael Cole is physically getting ill on the air, from the amount of blood and guts he sees coming out of the Miz, then this will all be worth it. <laughs> because that's the way for to build up Drew and Bobby Lashley, in my opinion, is you make Drew say, Drew, you come after your belt, I'm going to kill you. And <laughs> that's what I want in professional wrestling right now. I'm not going to get it. I understand this, but... Now's the time to give that edge to Bobby and to really just say, oh, my God, we are dealing with a threat we haven't seen here in a long, long time. Yeah, I, I like Bobby yours. Lashley. I, I want to obviously see Bobby Lashley prosper. I think the way you make the Miz title run work, I mean, look, we're here. This is what we're doing. So to me, the way it works best, you've identified a lot of the problems with The Miz. I, I think I, I completely concur on all of them. And he's not a great match. We just know this about him. So what would have to get him over is selling. I think his selling is actually not that bad. And he he all he actually is good. You know, he's done those long four matches with Shane McMahon and stuff. He's shown that he can, you know, he'll he'll go the distance. And really, that's what needs to happen. He needs to be a guy where it's like, oh, my God, people keep trying to kill this guy. And, like, what will it take to finally put this little worm down? The Miz just needs to keep finding a way out of every one of these situations. But it also – and it needs to be a combination of being sneaky and devious and also but a tough. little bit le – and a little bit legitimately tough. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're never going to let that happen. He's going to – No. He is the he is the honky tonk man with the big belt right now. He is no, but but I think I think there's a way to actually make his character really interesting in that sense. Where like yeah, it, it, if if you had like back in the day, like when he was in the Rock and Cena feud, WrestleMania, and you saw that 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 the vignettes of him watching tape before the awesome thing comes in. Like if he had been a student of the game, and if he was a master strategist, yeah, I could see that because then. He results on, or he re, he relies on his cunning to get out of things. But this is going to be WWE 101. Jomo's going to take big bumps to help get him out of uh, losing the title occasionally until he finally does. Uh, you know, I, I would just much rather see Bobby Lashley go in there and kill him. 
Yeah. I mean, that's where uh, we're no, going. No, I, I, I mean, uh, yeah, no, in, in, in short of them actually being committed to this project of making Miz a weird sort of tough or whatever, as I was just describing, I think that, yeah, I'd much rather just see Bobby Lashley get pushed because he really does sort of... Look, what he doesn't have is a promo. I think his promo has gotten better over time. It's now passable. It used to be bad. So, like, that's good. Um, and he's got MVP. So he has someone who can really kind of shore up that front for him, give him a bit of a foil to play off of, kind of like a Heenan-Bockwinkle sort of setup. And then in the ring, you have in Bobby Lashley, a guy who actually has a really interesting match style, has a pretty good gas tank, and has pretty good and coherent matches. I like him. I think he's a good wrestler. Murder death. Um, yeah, okay, let's go through your SmackDown notes, because the only thing that even caught my attention remotely on this show was that terrible Bianca Belair comes out to announce who she's going to face for WrestleMania segment. Yeah, that, okay, so, like, that was very bad just because it was, it was stupid, and then, like, out comes Reginald, and the Reginald-Carmella-Sasha dynamic is stupid and also transparent and thus really dumb, and then out comes Sasha, and Sasha's turned so many times that, like, I don't hate her when she's a heel and I don't like her when she's a face. And then Sasha demands that she has a match with Bianca and Bianca accepts it. My fear is that Reginald's involved in the match at, at WrestleMania. Oh, sure. He sure is. Mr. Cirque du Soleil himself. Uh, yeah, he can't, you're not No matter who wins that match, you don't make either a bigger star with Reginald involved in this. And my fear is Carmella gets rid of Reginald post fast lane and he's interjected all over this stupid story and eventually helps Sasha win or something like that and gets, and so Sasha gets saddled with Reginald. And what's really frustrating is this has killed the Carmella gimmick. Well, and, and here's the other part about this. You can make, Bianca Belair, a big star at WrestleMania with a big win. Clean. Sasha Banks has never won at WrestleMania. She's been in five WrestleManias, and she's never won her match that she was in. At some point, she's going to have to win a WrestleMania match, or she's leaving this company again. Streak, streak, and, streak, 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 streak. I strongly suspect she's beating Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. I don't think they pull the trigger on Bianca. I think they think that this build is good enough to carry her. I I think she incorrect. should start a reverse Undertaker streak. <laughs> every every her- year she comes out, she she calls somebody out. We have a multi week build <laughs> leading into WrestleMania. <laughs> Ten years from now, a thirty-nine-year-old Sasha going to find a way to lose this one, and a and a forty-one-year-old Bailey are fighting at WrestleMania, each with two kids, <laughs> sitting in the front row watching Bob try and break her streak, <laughs> and then they use that to get Roman Reigns over, and they never do. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, I, I just, 
Oh man. All right. Now what I what I need to talk about is this Apollo Cruz thing. Look, uh there there are some things I'm not like super well qualified to talk about within this Apollo Cruz storyline, but there are some things that uh I've lived enough life and read enough news and just like lived in the world to have a thought on and have some commentary on. So I know that uh Uha Nation is uh who's Uha Nation right on, on the Indies, right? Like I, I know that Correct. he's from Africa. Good job. Yeah, 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 I know. Um and like, look, I, I have, I mean, I, I think that's cool. Um, there's no knock on that. I don't, I don't mind, of course, leaning into people's biographies. Um, however, this promo, um, regardless of who wrote it, um, it's not as though their identity status would make it any better in any direction here. This promo was, was bad. I, I'm not even going to just like use the word problematic and be muted about it. I, I, I really want to get into this. So Cruz comes out. And he's scripted to deliver the lines that says that he's not from the hood or from the suburbs. He's from Nigeria. And thus, he is a real African-American. And you, you could say, aha, but Chris, all he's saying there is that he's from Africa and that he's American, and that, like, African-American really applies to him. That would actually be wrong enough in and of itself, friend, um, because hypothetical narrative construct friend, but it's worth noting here, my hypothetical narrative construct friend, that he opened up by saying very clearly he's not from the hood or from the suburbs, with the implication being in this writing that, again, Uha Nation is being scripted to deliver, that, like, essentially being from the hood is, like, phony African-American. Um, this is not a good message to be getting out on February 26th. What's February again, Jeff? What What uh, is this month typically in America? What, I believe it is Black History Month. Yeah, okay, so I think it's probably a bad message to get out uh, on this month of all months. Um, but and, and, oh, by the way, who is um, Apollo Crews in a feud with right now? Uh, that would be one Big E, or known big, as Big E Langston. Yes, right, uh, yeah, right. Um, and Big E is also <laughs> black here. And the, the implication being Wait, very... What? Yeah, I know. Breaking news. Sorry. <laughs> hey, where does Chris get all this inside information from? He must have a source somewhere. Um, mm. So, yeah, I know. I, you, you think you get, you're the one with all the inside sources. It's Chris over here. Uh, well, I've, look, Big, <laughs> Big, Big E's had his own history of using the preacher voice and Vince really pushing him for that. But but please continue. With, yeah, with, so, with so your, then we get yeah. into, okay, so, of course, Uha Nation's actually from Africa. I know that. Um, but when we have this writing now leading into he's from Nigeria and he comes from royalty, at least to my ears, and, and check me on this one if I'm wrong, Jeff, but at least to my ears, I hear this like wink, wink, especially when it's coming from a heel, like, oh, Nigerian prince scam. You you know what's going on here. I thought that first too. I did because yeah. when and because the thing was he he said I'm Nigerian royalty or something. Yeah. And he goes and these are colors I understand wealth money power type thing. I go oh my god they're doing a Nigerian prince scam. Yeah. I, it, it was it was very uncomfortable and then 
to, to kind of finish this off, you brought up the Big E preacher voice. You're right. That is uncomfortable. So it wasn't great when Cruz finishes it off in a new accent. Yeah, he was going in and out of an accent, I, I thought, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, it? no, he definitely was going in and out of an accent and turning it on. Who has a worse th- accent, him or Reginald? And uh, you'll note there's a common theme there, too. Yeah, right, yeah, who gets saddled with having to try accents to make a gimmick and get over. And Kofi Kingston. Yep. <laughs> like, on, on Are one you hand... kidding me? I, on one hand, you know, I'm watching this show and part of me is thinking it is, and you, uh, my concerns, of course, are well documented with WWE on any number of different fronts. Uh, I don't think they get it right all the time. But I was thinking like, you know, you've got Sasha versus Bianca. You have um, Big E versus Apollo Crews. You have, you have, let, me, let me cut you, let me cut you off here real quick. Cause I think I also want to fold in Sasha and Bianca in here because I, I don't know about you. And again, Look, we're two white guys. Yeah, we're two white guys. This. Yeah, I, I'm just, uh, but I am trying to be a thoughtful but, human being living on yes, the planet on this. Yeah, there has there have been some inklings, at least, that make me a little bit uncomfortable about the interactions of Sasha and Bianca and how they talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, um, good. Yeah, no, I'm. I, I I share I share those concerns. Um. On one hand, it's like, as I was saying, or as, you know, it's kind of wheeling into it. It's like, you kind of want to be like, you think about how, how many high profile black stars are being pushed on the product right now. And like, that's kind of cool. Um, on another level, then you actually kind of drill down on some of those presentations and it's a little more, um, discomforting or uncomfortable. Um, and now when it comes to Apollo Crews, like, I think I'm out, bro. Um, like I like Apollo, and I obviously want this guy to do well, and I think that he's been heinously underutilized. But um, I, I don't. I'm not. That this promo this week left a very, very bad taste in my mouth. I yeah. I mean, I remember I asked, "Is this promo good or cringe?" And you dropped to the DMs. It's cringe, bro. I go, yeah. It started cringe, and then it got kind of good. And then the accent started going in and out, and I was kind of weirded out by it. I, uh, and, just, and I, 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 I want to speak in your defense on that because I don't think you're wrong. And when you said like this is like the best promo that Cruz has done in years, like I don't think that impulse is wrong either. I think he did a fantastic job delivering really bad and problematic material, but like he actually was really good and engaged in it, and it was more interest. It was the most interesting he had been in a very long time, which is again. I guess it would be interesting when you're being really problematic and controversial, but like, I also thought he was just good and compelling and like the standard, normal, not icky way. I am hoping they don't hype this. Let's just put it that way. I, I'm, I, I could see where Vince has an idea, but we need to change his, his garb and stuff too, that he's wearing down to the ring to fit his oh God. royalty yeah. status. And what if Vince just recently saw coming to America? Oh no. Oh God, no. <laughs> oh, that would be, and the that sequel's would be coming very... out. The sequel's coming out this week, Chris, on Amazon Prime. <laughs> this would it's be the com- most... Oh, that's coming. That's a that's a call, man. I think that's gonna happen. Uh, okay, let's finish up with our NXT show starting over at NXT UK. New NXT UK tag team champions. Pretty deadly. 
wearing some of the most ridiculous gear I've ever oh, seen. You need to stop that. You need to stop that. I'm not. I can't hear that. But it fits I, for them. I they, uh, they're the dandy highwaymen. They stole my heart and they stole the titles. <laughs> Nigel McGuinness. Nigel on, uh, on the call with this one. I mean, this was Shivani 1997. This is the greatest night in the history All of our show. sport. All, I swear to God, he was just going to go out there and see how much can I just overreact to everything. All I, show. My God. You are correct on that. He is. These two dandy highwaymen are having the match of their lives, and this is the biggest <laughs> moment of their. I have He's never, his in all my years, never have I ever seen anything quite like this moment in our business, in our sport, in our time. My God, what was he? Was he trying? I, part of me thought he was trying to get fired because, like, even the <laughs> the Zia, the Zia Brookside Nina Samuels match. Where he is just going over the top on what an affront this will be to Nina Samuels. <laughs> his his and, call partner at the end of the pretty deadly match was like, oh, like he didn't know how to pick up the pieces because like it yeah. was it was it was on one hand like I was in near tears when he was doing this call like I think it was. It was also a little late at night. I had a little bit of enhancement. I was in the right mindset to laugh my butt off, but uh, I also thought, I'm like, this is also pretty ridiculous. Like, why are we going this far? I've been on record as saying they should push Zaya Brookside to the moon as a big star. Um, they're not there yet, but I did really... Her reaction to winning that Nina Samuels match was one of the more realistic reactions I've seen to winning a match of that kind versus the pro wrestling reaction type of thing. It's kind of like, yes, I won. And now I'm going to show her what she was going to do to me. There's kind of a little bit of a payback time type thing. And I, I, I dug that about her. Now, now the sketch afterwards was total ridiculousness with, with her falling out of her shoes and dropping the bag and it was pure pro wrestling stupidity but yes i want people to root for i like having young superstars pushed perhaps a little bit too soon i i kind of liked this chris i you think it's funny to see someone like nina samuels treated with such disrespect by some young up-and-coming punk yes some entitled, yes some I do. entitled <laughs> daughter of privilege like zaya brookside going <laughs> up against our daughter. queen nita samuels how dare no, you sir no, chris nobody nobody knows that zaya brookside is robbie brookside's daughter no <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of tori uh, spelling just went into that casting call where nobody knew she was the producer's daughter and got that role on her own all right, speaking of legacy talents, um, <laughs> Bailey Matthews, uh, I think he's good. I think he's got something. I I, I like this match against Tyler Bate. I, I saw a lot of promise in Bailey Matthews, and uh, yeah, the regal gene runs strong in the fam. Yes, I was about to cut you off because as it's a visual medium, some pe- and not a lot of people watch NXT UK, Bailey Matthews is the son of one... NXT commissioner William Regal, and he had his debut on NXT UK this past week. Looks and he doesn't quite look a lot like his old man, but boy, he sounds like his old man. There's like a physique 
quality about him, like in the upper body and torso, that is definitely reminiscent of the Regal physique. Um, but yeah, no, dude, like the work's there, and he's got the mindset. You know what I mean? Like, like I, this match against Bait, it's if you're looking for a quick one, you just want to see like what's Regal's kid like. This match against Bait's a lot of fun for what it is. Um, it's super well worked. It's it's kinetic and flowing it's not like a series of spots or anything like that sometimes they like slip in a hold or whatever um and they just kind of work through the the quote-unquote mistake um they just like it's good wrestling it go it ends the way you think it's gonna end um I thought that I thought that this is a really good match and you know bait picking up Bailey Matthews at the end does a lot to just kind of really solidify Bailey's here to stay I liked it I did too I think again they've Boy, two and a half years of losing their way with Tyler Bate, uh, maybe even longer. I just, I don't get it. And uh, and I'll tell I you, liked... him getting this the the stupid sleeve, the arm sleeve. Wow, what a mistake! Like totally. Yeah, I agree. I I I know some people like the tattoos, but I think with this dude's gimmick, uh, it it is. I mean, it's not going to mean, no, it's it's not like I'm not going to book Tyler Bate now, but like the guy's the big, strong boy. So you want the boyish good looks about him and him having a full arm sleeve does not play into that. I concur with you 150%, Chris. I, I, I thought the same thing when I saw him starting to get tatted up. I'm like, no, you're killing your white meat baby face gimmick by doing this. Okay. This is... You know what we ta- no no go with the boyish charm gimmick and, and I mean if we're not uh, into the Jack Gallagher what the hell is this guy doing do we need to actually try to get some help or an intervention for him sort of territory <laughs> here but but like it is Jack good move. Gallagher I'm a sailor now and I, I'm a longshoreman working on the docks I Look think I've <laughs> always viewed it as Jack Gallagher by chess is a billboard of some sort. Yeah, but he had he had like that big old no, sailing know. vessel on it, like yeah, he was yeah, Popeye no, I, or something. I, like. I know it, it it's it's bizarre. He's my my chest is a landscape painting, is what his, he's doing over there. But uh, no, I it, Bates not that bad. But I don't think that it's I don't think the arm sleeve thing was a good move. I just don't. You're not going to convince me it was. I, I agree with you. I I will not fight you on that. Just don't stop trying uh, to convince I'm, me it was a good move, Jeff. I'm not going to succumb to peer pressure. On the flip side, this Trent Seven video, I adored it. It's old, old school stuff. Just, just the the yeah, you know, trying to lose this weight. Don't have a lot of training options. Just going out there and doing the grind and seeing what I can get. It was very grizzled. Yeah, no, I mean, like, look, I I think that it's an interesting twist um in the the man versus story in terms of wrestling so like you know normally in wrestling it's like man versus man obviously like that's like a super one or sometimes man versus organization um but we seldom see man versus himself in wrestling and in this sense it's like the build for Trent Seven's cruiserweight match is not he needs to beat a bunch of enhancement talents and have a bunch of squash matches. He has to lose the weight. And the build, the the essentially the stand-in for the squash matches and the enhancement matches is this man versus himself narrative. 
and I like it. It's different. Um, it's, you know, it, it like it, your mileage may vary on how seriously you're able to take it. Um, your mileage may vary, of course, and like the actual strokes of the Devlin versus Trent Seven feud in earnest. But I do like taking a chance in telling a different sort of man versus story. All right. I, in Raw, we have Xavier Woods calling out Reckoning. On SmackDown, we have Reginald interacting with the entire women's division there. NXT UK, you have Dexter Loomis and The Way. I believe there's also another intergender towing the line thing there that I can't recall right now just yet. And now NXT UK is going to join in on the fun between Piper Niven and the excruciatingly painful Joseph Connors. Because he is excruciatingly painful to watch. I want him off my television. I want Piper Niven to Vader bomb him to hell. I... (laughs) Glass-jawed Joseph Connors getting smacked around by Piper Niven. We have now achieved close or as close as we're probably going to get to intergender singularity throughout all the brands of world wrestling entertainment, Chris. I don't know how to feel about that, because if you're going to tease it, you got to do it. But we're getting the mixed tag for next week with Ginny and Joseph versus Piper Niven and... Jack Stars. Jack Stars, hero hero of the people. Yeah, she um, she dragged him in kind of forcibly. He was like, you're my tag team partner. And he was kind of like, okay, I'm doing it. She's doing a move on Joseph Connors, right? Yeah, I, I think he's getting powerbombed or something. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Look, I don't particularly care for intergender things. But I also hate Joseph Connors. So, I you know, this is like a Sophie's Choice for me. Do, do I want to keep? intergender or do i want to keep joseph connors uh the choice between that is keep intergender naturally because joseph connors is the worst professional wrestler on any program across all all the (laughs) and that's not his talent that's his gimmick i can't stand this look we had a show with amir jordan and was it Amir Jordan? I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoop Guy still exists. I don't understand how you can no, keep saying Whoop this. Whoop Guy and Bootleg Kofi at least have, I know who they are. We have this other tag team. Is it? Is it? The, is this the Lucky and Kev, Kenny Williams and Amir Jordan that were on this week? That, no, I, no that's one, that's, story. that is one of the greatest gimmicks of all time. It's, it's a three-year story nobody the, the, gives a damn about. It is that's one of the great <laughs> pieces of long-form storytelling. It is long-form storytelling, but it's not telling any story, <laughs> and nobody turn, wants to hear it. This turn has been coming gives a damn. since 2019, Jeff. Since 2019, Kenny Williams has been getting your These hated. dopes come on the screen, and I go, oh, yeah, them. Mid-card tag that's fight on and off again. They get beat by other mid-card tags I don't care no, about. Like, and and Williams has been Kofi. teasing the turn on Jordan forever. And, like, they've actually been slowly but surely advancing it. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's poetry. It should. If, if, if Wrestling Observer had any credibility whatsoever, this would have won Angle of the Year last year and this year. No, it's the kind of story where people keep on backtracking to give you additional details when you just want to get to the end of the story. 
(laughs) Yeah, those are called prequels. And let me tell you about a little franchise called Star Wars. Can we have the hunt go in and chew off their faces, please? And please, you know, at least like make give them scars or something to make them interesting, you know. <laughs> oh God, they had that promo. It was terrible. Anyways, uh, I have nothing else for NXT UK. I'm rambling at this point. No, no. All right, let's move else? over to regular NXT here. So Dexter Loomis has mind control brain lasers, and they've infected Austin Theory, and he's got brain lasers. And then Dexter Loomis also has mind control sex rays that come out of his eyeballs, and those have infected <laughs> Indy Hartwell. And she can't control herself because Dexter Loomis is unbelievable, um, mo- like uh, sex thing that he does. No, all the no, time. say it. Indy Hartwell loves the bad boys. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> she likes psychos. Indy Hartwell. She like. I feel for Indy's dad because Indy's dad must have been like, oh no, Indy's brought home another like near psychotic because she must have been dating guys like Dexter Loomis all through high school. You, you don't understand, Dad. I love him. I don't care that he has a motorcycle. He has an art well, book. He reads poetry in his spare time, Dad, and you will not deny me my true love. I only get to be in high school once, Dad. He says he likes to listen to Bob Dylan, Dad. (laughs) He knows the struggles of blue-collar people because he listens to a lot of Bruce Springsteen. Don't you understand? Yeah, uh, this reminds me of a guy from (laughs) high school who... uh, I, I was trying to remember like what he changed his first name to, but I remember he tried to, he took the Oscar Wilde's last name. So it was like I want to say his name was like Jacob Wilde or something like that, like he, as a stage name. Um yeah, India Hartwell dates guys like that. Um and so she's really into Dexter <laughs> Loomis and uh that's what's going on here, and it's breaking up the Johnny Gargano way, which is a damn shame because the Johnny Gargano way was actually a pretty fun gimmick and this Dexter Loomis thing is really poisoning the well. I don't think it's breaking them up. It's just revealing everything. It's get, it's at least given Indy something to do now, which is great. Other than being Candace's flunky, Austin Theory continues to be an absolute meathead lunk, which I'm kind of enjoy. Like I enjoyed the whole thing with the. Uh, That's that, the way. That uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Well, well, not. <laughs> That's look. Seventies music is a bridge too far because that's my demo. But but the whole thing with the with the, the hand clap where he does it on the wrong side and he keeps forgetting because he's an idiot. That's kind of funny to me. Johnny is just a lunkhead. This is here's my problem with it is that I just want one comedy gimmick on the show, and I had comedy throughout that. But between this, the Cameron Grimes Million Dollar Man sketches, which I thought were overall well done. Probably should have been done over the course of four weeks, but they were well done. And then the Killian Dane Drake Maverick thing, it, it's just, it's too much ha-ha. And I'm done with, I, I need the ha-ha as a palate cleanser. I understand that there was more serious stuff coming up later. I get that. But it was just, for the first hour of this show, I was just like, the only two other things in there between those before we got to the two main event stuff was... Zoe Stark, who on week two of being in NXT gets gets a non-title match against the champ, went a little rough in my opinion. I'm I'm a little bit lighter on it than you were, I think, um, in terms I, of how much I enjoyed it. 
Uh, but I liked the promo giving her the match. I thought that was fun. I thought she was perfectly, she was perfectly fine in the match. I, it was just one of those things where it's like, I didn't understand why they did this now when she had just had a strong win as an introduction the week before. And now we're putting her up against our creme de la creme. I think and, I okay, can tell you why. Okay. I think I can tell okay, you why. Cause I don't Sean, think Sean Michaels, HBA. I think that's part of it. And I don't think Io Shirai is going to be champion for much longer. So I think they just wanted to get Zoe Stark in there against Io Shirai now. Kind of enjoyed the Tony Storm promo after. Uh, any thoughts on Tony Storm you'd like to uh, give to the public, Chris? Um, well, I, I mean, I'm interested in like <laughs> Tony Storm versus Zoe Stark. I, I think that there's some intrigue there. I liked Zoe Stark kind of standing strong and being like, I'm not a pushover here. So, I mean, I think that what this match was about was more than just what happened during the course of this match. It was, you know, like, no, Zoe Stark shouldn't have won the title. No, Zoe Stark shouldn't have gotten a win. Well, or it was like, a non-title match, but she shouldn't have gotten a win. You're right. She shouldn't have gotten a win in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely not. The most important thing was to have a pretty good showing in the ring, which I think she did. I mean, like, look, was it, it was a perfect? No. Uh, we. She's still a little green, um, but she's got a yeah. good look. She's got a good look. Um, and that, that's a big thing. She just represents a sort of different sort of physicality, kind of like not like she has Mercedes. a tough physicality. I like yeah. it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, it's Mercedes Martinez. Like I like, as I've said before, I like different body shapes. I think like contrast and looks is really the key in wrestling. Um, and I think Zoe Stark is a really interesting, different like shape and build. Um, and, and I think that's cool. Um, and I, I think she's got some personality. Like I, I think there's something there with her. Um, and I think that the post-match stuff, obviously getting the hand up from Io Shirai and the nod of approval and everything that's, you know, kind of standard, that's good. But I thought equally as important was having the mouthing back at Tony Storm so that like Tony Storm just can't just wave her off. And like Tony probably mm-hmm. will beat Zoe Stark, but maybe that like goes several matches. Um, and that would be kind of interesting. I dug that. I, I think that Io Shirai is still crazy. It's one of those weird little touches where it's like, you know, she'll, she'll have her. I think it's also just the English to Japanese type of thing, but it's, it's, it's very (laughs) watching her cut promos and then kind of give like weird talking to herself type of thing. It's (laughs) love me some Io Shirai. I do. I think she's great. Uh, I, (laughs) we go from, Weird comedy to two thousand year old dragon ladies and Xia Lee. and I overall enjoyed this. My, the fa- my favorite part of this was when uh, Caden Carter stupidly decides to mouth off to the lady on the throne and is getting blocked, and then while they're helping up Casey Catanzaro and her bad leg, Xia Lee just does a roundhouse kick to the face. I thought that was great. I, that was old school, too. Uh, I heel. don't mind the Zia <laughs> Lee build thing, but I'll tell you, they the way they were presenting Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter stupid going stupid. into the tournament, the tag team tournament, was like, oh, we're going to give this team a legitimate push, and they're going to be baby faces, and we're going to try to get you on board with them. And let's be real, especially with Casey Catanzaro. If it's ever going to work at all, and I'm not convinced it will, um, but if it was ever going to work at all, we'd have to love her. We'd have to think she was squeaky and adorable and want nothing but the best for her. And Caden Carter is the ultimate best friend 
Um, and he's even more talented than Casey, but like is always super supportive of Casey. And Casey is super supportive of Caden. And we just love them and think they have like an adorable friend dynamic that we really deeply understand. And right now what we have is these are two young ladies who saw Degeneration X when they were about nine years old and thought that that's how wrestlers dress. And as such, that's their color scheme, either that or the crossing guard at elementary school made a really strong impression on them, particularly with their color scheme choices. And that's what we've got going on here. And then their actual characterization, um, at various times, they've been annoying in their promos. Like, there have been points where they've been kind of obnoxious and or delusional. Or, like this week, as you sort of mentioned before I started spouting off here, um, like, they were stupid. Uh, Caden Carter just kind of like walks up to uh, final boss, whoever it is uh, in the chair there, and is like, "No, the final boss is Mako Satamura. How dare you, sir?" Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> we, 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 but like goes up to goes up to whoever's in the chair there, and it's like, "Ah, you, you can't do this. How dare you?" And Boa just—he's my friend. What have you done to her? You're her? being blah, blah, such a jerk. How? Dare, and Boa's got one hand yeah. up, one hand up, and Casey and, or Caden Carter who I like and have been boosting like a goober can't even push away Boa's hand and just drop kick this loser in the chair. And and instead her friend gets kicked in the face. And even then afterwards, Caden Carr's like, why would you do that? What are you doing? How are you going to go ahead and do that? Like, Oh, it's so stupid. I hate these baby faces. I want them to lose. Yes. Because they're such knuckleheads that you go, Oh my God. <laughs> stupid people don't deserve super- to win. Yeah, I just... It's that uh, simple. Uh, it was stupid. When Who thinks that stupid people deserve to win? It, it's it's <laughs> certainly not a default disposition. Do these Cameron Grimes vignettes work for you? No. Okay. I, I'm, I was on the fence. I liked the payoff, though, of just <laughs> punching the guy after triple number two. But, yeah, I, I, I they were cute, but they were that insider wrestling cute in turn oh i didn't watch the entire million dollar man vignette on the network so i don't know what he actually did if that had been like a one throwaway joke thing instead yes. of a giant wraparound through the entirety of nxt like this overstayed its welcome by several several beats and i agree they, what, they heard yeah, he, that people loved it and they decided to give us we're gonna give you, we're gonna give it to you, good and hard, all throughout the show, and that by the end, it's like I don't like this gimmick anymore, Chris. I think it's terrible. Well, this isn't the GameStop gimmick. This is him doing a dime yeah. store million dollar man gimmick, and it's not the same thing. Yeah, I I agree. I did like that they brought in the basketball player uh, that they uh, they have signed. Uh, she, I believe, she was part of Baylor's national title team. Uh, <laughs> But the, yeah, it was it was fine. It was just on a show with comedy. There was too much. Now, week two, the follow up of the breakup of the undisputed era. Chris, they need to watch their program and watch how these stories are, and then write these promos because the most ridiculous thing, the most preposterous thing in this entire segment was Roddy Strong coming out and saying the Undisputed Era was built on trust and we're a brotherhood. The Undisputed Era, as I recall, Roddy joined in by turning on Pete Dunne 
and giving Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole the tag team titles. That's how I recall the undisputed. Yeah, it was quite literally built on betrayals. Yes, just once the WWE swerve needs to take a different direction, as opposed to the obvious heel acting weak and then turning out to be the bad guy along, and Roddy Strong being the dumbass to, to buy into it. I would, have really much, I would have much I'd, rather had Finn Balor essentially radicalize Roddy in, and make him sort of a tragic figure where Roddy aligns yes. with Adam, but because Balor pushes him, um, and that if yeah. Balor hadn't pushed, then Roddy wouldn't necessarily align with Adam Cole. And then we're sort of rooting for Roddy to see the light and break free, but like, or he can just be a tragic figure where like there was this moment where he could have broken free, but was unable to. Um, and, and I think that th- the way they, it's like, they didn't want to do that, but they still wanted to include this interaction between Roddy and Balor and Cole. And the whole thing made Roddy seem really stupid, stupid baby face syndrome. The swerve now is for the heel to actually mean it, and they try and repair the relationship, and you can tell that there's tears in it. And the other guy eventually <laughs> turns on. I know, I the agree. Guy who I, I, I think, but I mean, even to that point, um, I think Cole's promo was super unconvincing because yes. you can't pass this off as a momentary lapse of reason because no. he did it multiple weeks. Like, he didn't just hit Balor that one time, right? Like, there have been multiple weeks now where the Undisputed Era has been broken up and Adam Cole's been advancing that antagonism. (laughs) The payoff to this has to be Bobby Fish coming in, asking Adam Cole, hey, where are the other guys? Uh, I broke up the Undisputed Era. Bobby Fish gone. Uh, okay, cool. What's next? <laughs> I mean, I do think like the the payoff to this needs to be Bobby Fish stabs Kyle O'Reilly in the back when Kyle O'Reilly is going up against Adam Cole. Yeah, I get the feeling though that it's going to probably be Roddy Strong stabbing Kyle O'Reilly in the back too and then it just becomes a three-way type of thing. That's what it feels like it's heading towards. Maybe with Balor as a fourth. I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like Cole. I think Cole should have just said, um, hey, I wanted the title. He couldn't win it (laughs) and and gone from there and just go for that. Interesting, though, Pat McAfee was making some noise after after winning uh, the Wrestling Observer Awards came out this week and he won Rookie of the Year. He was a. teasing retirement but then his producers are like well no you got to do this in front of a stadium or something and get the pop and he's like oh yeah i need to do that but uh i still think this ends up with mcafee and cole on the same side that there i mean it that would be a money program is what that would be uh cole is the worker and pat is the talker and it's not like cole can't talk and it's not like pat can't work i mean Pat's money finally gets to him or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, oh, man. Pat, like, as the manager figure for Adam Cole. This could be really fun because it wouldn't require Pat to be on TV every week. 
but you could have this, you know, Bachwinkle Heenan like dynamic between those two. Uh, I, I'd be very here for that. It's going to do it for us for this week. I think we'll probably do an AEW revolution preview next week. We'll, we'll see what happens. Follow me at crap game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG and follow the show at shake them ropes. We are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network, including the flagship with rich Krejci and Joe Lanza music of the mat with our friend, Andrew rich and open the voice gate, which is Japanese wrestling. Whatever your tastes, we probably have a podcast for you. Go to voicesofwrestling.com. Check out all the shows and the articles, too. We're not just sexy pictures, people. We are engaging articles as well. Lance Chris, told me to close about... the OnlyFans. He said they, they can't handle the <laughs> Nove OnlyFans. Uh, and I'm like, whatever, man. I'm bringing the thunder. Don't worry about the really, government. All, hold on. All okay. my tweets are super tweets. So you Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I cannot. <laughs> let me tell you, I cannot wait to start finally charging Cody for uh, seeing my tweets for upwards of a decade now. Like, this guy's just been mooching off of my tweets. Think about that. Great content. He's just getting it for free. Whatever. Uh, don't worry about the government. It's on Twitter at DWATG, as Jeff mentioned. Don't worry.tv is our homepage. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. You can uh, find the show at all those places. I am going to be having on some teachers to talk about the reopening of schools, uh, where teachers are coming from on this. What does the science say? Uh, what do our politicians say? I think it's an interesting topic. I think it's an open one. In the most recent episode, we talked about ring doorbells um, and the way that ring doorbells and other videographic technologies slowly seems to be taking away our right to privacy. So if those things and the news of the week are of interest to you, go and check them out at don'tworry.tv. Peacock, cage match, you and me, Norfolk Scope, Thursday night, 730. Be there.